Well, thank you so much for having me today. My name is Philip Corcoran. Uh, my wife actually attended Millwood growing up, uh, Mallory Coke, now Corcoran. Um, so that's how I met Kip, is when we moved back over this way, I started um, attending Millwood and got to know Kip, and, um, and that's how that happened. So today, um, I am going, the title of the message today is God is with us. This is something that's um, been near and dear to my heart over the last couple of years, and most recently this last year. As he's really shown me the power of, of him through us, working through us. Um, before we get started into the message, I did want to open up with um, a pause of, of silence and pray in Christ into our lives, pray in the Spirit, allow our Heavenly Father just to be around us, surround us, and protect us. Um, so what I'll do is I'll open up with just a small little prayer and then just inviting His presence into us and just sitting with Him. So Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for today. God, we thank You for Your one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. In this moment, we would like to invite you into our presence. Please allow us to come into union with you right now. Let us feel your spirit. Anything and everything that is burdening us, that is worrisome in our hearts and our minds, Lord, we want to release that to you. Lord, I thank you so much for us being able just to come to you in time of need, in time of of joyfulness, in time of love. Lord, thank you for giving us the opportunity to release on things and to be with you. Amen. The start of the message, I was going to start with a scripture out of Deuteronomy that says, I will never leave you or forsake you. But as I put my outline together, came across Hebrews 13, 5. And I thought it was interesting. Paul started with, keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I heard it from another pastor. Money makes people funny. And... 
where Paul put that in, keep your life free from the love of money. That's not where the message is going, but I just thought that was an interesting piece to bring to light today. Um, Because the message is, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We have all heard that message before. We have all heard this passage before. And we understand that it is his promise. The questions I have for us today is, what does it mean to you? How does it apply to what you have seen God do in your past? How do you let this promise fuel you and how you live today or even plan for tomorrow? So the truth of the matter is, as soon as we walk out these doors, we can get burdened with the world's views. I do it all the time. My wife had to correct me just yesterday. We were driving down the road, and I started this new job, and I'm, I'm going through these new things and trying to figure out where I fit in with the team. And I'm sitting there going, Mallory, I just don't understand what's going on. And, and going th- through all these things, and she looks at me and says, do not conform to the patterns of this world. Thank you, Lord, for putting a godly woman in my life that just answered the Holy Spirit right there and said, I need to give this to Phil. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. He will not leave us nor forsake us. If we hold on to that promise, then the next question is, how do we use that promise to fuel us into what is to come or in the present as what is happening? Because the truth of the matter is we look around today and the mainstream media does a very good job of portraying the world becoming corrupt, the world's hatred. We've got Black Lives Matter that isn't even solely about Black Lives Matter. It's just an avenue for hatred to come into to the world. Because the honest is, is every life matters. When Jesus was presented by the Pharisees. And the Pharisees try to corner him and say, okay, Jesus, out of all the laws, what is the most important law? And he looks at him and says, love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your body. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. So we see this world of hatred being portrayed on a daily basis. Riots continue. We are singling out people of race to put one race above the other. Politicians are still true to their stereotype, corrupted with power and greed. Now, there are some good that they're fighting for us, and that is a very good thing. And there's even conspiracy theories on how COVID started. Hatred being the star of the show today. So if we go back to that promise, I will never leave you or forsake you. How do we make sense of that in today's world? How do we make sense of that when people are coming at us with news that is only about hatred? And how do we take that news when we receive it? How do we hold on to that news? What do we let it do to our hearts? Because the truth of the matter is, you can grab information, and we have to process that information, and then proceed with the information we were given. How do we take that information? Are we taking it through our own eyes, through our own hearts, or are we taking it to God? How 
God, what are you doing here? How are you working in our lives through this? Some negative things we can control. We don't always have to turn on the news channel. We can control that. But there are some events that come into our lives, a hurricane, COVID. We can't control that. Our union with God, our relationship with Christ, allowing the Spirit to be with us is of utmost importance. There are countless stories in the Bible that show his promise of not leaving nor forsaking us. There's one thing God's done in my life. He's called me to do this ministry titled Your God Story. And it's a platform for people to share their testimonies on the website so more people can read testimonies. And I have to preface this with There is no credibility for me to start this. I'm not a pastor. I'm not, um, I wasn't in a sales role, so I'm not really truly comfortable going to somebody and asking them, especially about their testimony. Hey, would you be willing to share this testimony with this brand new idea of putting it out on the website? You may not be comfortable doing that, and I'm definitely not comfortable talking to you about doing that. I didn't know how to make a website. I didn't know what I was doing with, hey, how do I record the testimony? How do I write it down? Yeah, I've written a book before, but that doesn't really qualify me to be a a writer. Um, So I, I could disqualify myself in every aspect of this ministry. But God said otherwise. God gave me that promise, I will never leave you or forsake you. And so today, I just want to run through some of these testimonies because what I found out through this ministry is how powerful it is to hear a testimony of today and what that does to our mindset moving forward. It made God so real. It made God so powerful and prevalent today that Hey, whatever is happening out there in the world, I still love you. I'm still there for you. I still show up, and I show up in a mighty way, so mighty that no man or woman can touch it. It has to come from me. Glory is mine. I want you to see that. And now, as I was going through the testimonies that, um, that God provided... The first one that I wanted to share was Randy and Lisa Shinrock. Now, these are two individuals in um, Sunnyvale, Texas, just down the road from us. And they lost their son to a rare blood disease. It was such a rare blood clot that it just restricted blood flow. And I think it was a, a couple weeks before this incident happened, he just finished his first triathlon. So he was a fit individual, extremely healthy, and had this rare blood disease with no heredity, no uh, past experience or family history of anything going on. And when the time hit, his mother, Lisa, received a phone call from the physician there in Dallas. He was down in College Station at A&M, and 
it was devastation. It was so rare that the hospital and college station couldn't treat it. They had to transport him to Dallas. All through that situation, God showed up. God made a way to have to let Blake Shinrock have a few more moments with his mom and dad. Blake passes away, and as Randy and Lisa are moving into their new house, they're unpacking boxes, they come across this present. And it's a little gift that Blake wrapped at 10 years old and stuck under the Christmas tree every single year, not to be unwrapped. And Randy and Lisa will look at him and say, well, why, why can't we open that gift this year? No, Mom. No, Dad. Not yet. Would put it away. The next year, put it under the tree. No, Mom. No, Dad. Not yet. So Randy and Lisa are in their garage unpacking boxes after the devastation of the, the news of their, their son. I shouldn't say devastation because when you meet Randy and Lisa... They know where their son's at. They know the type of hands that are wrapped around their son. The devastation is their son is no longer with them. Um, so when they're opening the, the box, they come across this gift. Randy and Lisa are ecstatic. Should we open it now? We want to know. Over 10 years, we have not known what is in this present. They open the gift. There's one little message in there that reads... Tell the world about Jesus. A boy puts a message in a box and wraps it. It says, tell the world about Jesus. Randy and Lisa just sat there holding each other in love. He will not leave us nor forsake us. Even though we pass from this world into his. God still shows us, I'm with you. How incredible. I, I, I just can't wrap my mind around a boy putting a present under the, gift, under the tree and saying, we can't unwrap it yet. Me, if, if I see that that's a present, I want to unwrap it. <laughs> I want to see what's in there. And Randy and Lisa did too. Um, so moving on to the next testimony, John and Amanda, their names are hidden for or their for their identity. They didn't want to share their identity. Um, they both lived in Kenya and their family struggle. Where they live, they don't have the types of luxuries we have here. Beef that we can drive down the road and have 10, 15 different options for a hamburger was a holiday treat for them. And their son, um, John's parents, wanted to send their son to America to better their lifestyle. That's a challenge. And it's, this was right after 9-11. So the restrictions on somebody obtaining a visa to come to the States were even tighter. God said, watch, I'll make a way and was with that family. The whole village, when John received the visa to come to America, the whole village celebrated all the way to the airport, not just John's family. 
the whole village. John comes to America lonely. He's by himself. He doesn't know anybody over here other than one cousin. Goes through tremendous battles of trying to figure out this this path of, okay, what do I do now? Now that I'm in America, I, I just don't know where do my, I get my job. And he's got a full-time, um, not position, but uh, scholarship sort of thing to, to school. And that falls through. He doesn't get the funding for it because his family can barely afford to send him to, to America. So he's looking about coming back to Kenya. And God shows another way. God protects him, keeps him here. John finds Amanda. Love introduced into the picture. John keeps going further, keeps pressing further. Hits another barrier with work. He can now no longer support his family with the salary he's working, working at Whataburger. And that's true. He really did work at Whataburger. God paved the way to get him into IT. God paved the way for him to progress. Some man in his life gave him resources, didn't know John, gave him resources to train on. A couple thousand dollars of training that John received. Paved the way for John to progress. Now he is up on the top level, not the top level, but up there in, the, uh, in Amazon, in IT supporting more than just his family here in, the, in America. He sends money back home to his family so they can live. Because that's a life or death situation. God paved the way for that today. Bob Lloyd, we know his testimony. The man fell from 38 feet. He should be dead. But God caught him. Jesus was right there. Held him. Should have had every broken bone in his body. God said no. God is here today with us. He will never leave us, nor will he forsake us. Another testimony, David Keese fled communism in Romania back in 1978. There are several ways God showed up in his life to being present with Romanian soldiers while he was fleeing in fields to Yugoslavia. And those Roman soldiers viewed David as another Roman soldier. God changed their perspective to see David as a soldier, not somebody fleeing the country. There were so many other ways that God intervened in David's life so he could come to America. And is still in America. He lives in Garland, Texas. John and Amanda live in Forney, Texas. Bob lives right here. Ginger McNeil is another woman who has had several near-death experiences through her lifetime. But God said, no, I want you alive for a reason. When you meet Ginger, even though she is battling dementia now, she still sings God's praises because she understands the fundamental truth. 
God does not leave us, nor does he forsake us. So when we face stuff in today's world, when COVID hits, when financial problems hit, when we're stricken with pain, hurt, anger, when there's no way that man can get through it, God says, watch me. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. And that is something that God showed me through your God story doing that ministry is I, I, I felt like a boy going up to these people asking you, hey, can you share your testimony? And I didn't know it was going to rock my faith. I didn't know my faith was going to change from that point moving forward, hearing these testimonies. The early Christians didn't have the written word. They didn't come together and read text. They came together and shared testimonies. And that was so powerful, that so revolutionized their moment in time that they wanted to share that testimony and profess, profess, proclaim God's goodness. Jesus is here with us. He is not distant. And that's what God showed me through this, your God story. Like I told you, I, I disqualified myself on every aspect of it. As a matter of fact, I can disqualify myself from standing in front of you speaking today. But I, he has shown me that it doesn't matter what I go through in my life. It doesn't matter if I don't know what's happening or what I'm up against. I do know one thing. God is with me. He will not leave me, nor he will not forsake me. And moving on to the second part of this message, I want to share... A couple things. First being scripture, John fifteen four. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And right after that scripture, I wanted to open up with an author out of Colorado Springs, John Eldridge. Uh, he wrote a book that was... His claim to fame, so to speak, he won't tell you that, but he likes another book, Wild at Heart. And he's a counselor of 20-plus years, has a ministry out there. And this is an excerpt from his book um, that I wanted to share that goes hand-in-hand with that scripture that I just read. We need to look into what has damaged our union with God. I realize this is a poignant thing I'm raising, and I want to proceed tenderly. Do you know what's damaged your soul's union with God? Suffering in all its forms will slowly erode union if we're not careful, as will chronic disappointment. Satan will use your suffering or the suffering of those you love to introduce mistrust between you and the God you love. You see, he whispers, you are on your own. God's not here for you. He didn't do a thing to help. The suffering or disappointment alone is enough to make us pull back like a sea anemone does when you touch it. But these insidious words poison the relationship, and our union withers. 
we still might hang on to belief. But as we've seen, belief is not the same as saturated union. Has your suffering caused you to pull away? If we name it, we are able to come back towards God. We can choose to open up again and ask him to heal our hearts, heal our union. We must be intentional to seek the restoration of our union. So I found it very important to ask God to heal my union with him on a fairly regular basis, certainly after I've gone through something that felt traumatizing. Knowing I have a role to play, the door opens from the inside. And that's where the excerpt ends. So as John 15 started off with, no branch can bear, good, bear fruit by itself, I want to continue a little bit further down into that uh, chapter. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The key word being if. If a man remains in Jesus, Jesus remains in him. If. Jesus gives us the option. When we receive that information, that negative information that penetrates our heart, penetrates our soul, corrupts our mind, Jesus still gives us the option. Come to me, all who are weary, all who are burdened. Come to me. I do not give to you as the world gives. I give to you. I give peace. I give you my peace. So the information that we receive, the COVID, the Black Lives Matter, all that hatred that we receive from the news outlets, that's not peace. That's not love. That's not God. Our union with God is special, requiring us to be an integral part of nurturing it. His arms are always open, always open. They're never closed to us. We can turn our backs to him, but we need to turn into him constantly. Every time we walk out into the world, being that constant light, being that constant peace, That's not from us. That's from our Christ, from our Lord and Savior. When we truly believe God will never leave us nor forsake us, it becomes apparent that this promise is the foundation to our union with them. How can I be in a relationship with somebody that I don't know is going to be there when I need them or her? Our relationships here with each other There's no possible way we can be there for each other in every single instant. But Christ can. Christ never leaves us. He's always with us. When the lie comes into our life that God has abandoned us, when we need to counter this attack with truth and proof, recall our history, recall testimonies that are shared God has always been there for each and every one of us. And that's what Randy and Lisa did in the hospital. They didn't curse God. They didn't say, God, why are you taking my child away from me? I want him. He's mine. 
No, they got to the point where they said, let your will be done, not mine. God, you are in control of everything. Let your will be done, not mine. And the moment they did that, the moment peace transcended their understanding, it took all their burdens away. Christ, I know you're around my son. I know you're with him. You're not going to leave me nor forsake me. The book I touched on earlier, Why Depression Was a Gift, that's the book God called me to write. Early on in my life, I battled depression for several years, and I thought God had abandoned me. God, where are you at? I feel horrible. All I want to do is be in my room, shut the lights off. I don't want to talk to people. I don't want to go do school. I don't want to go do work. Jesus supernaturally came into my life, healed my heart and the wounds that were suffering the depression. Years later, he calls me to write this book, Why Depression is a Gift. And I thought, in my small intentions... This is going to be a book that helps others. When in reality, God was setting this up as an integral part in what he was doing in my life. And that is how going back and looking at testimony shows us the many moments God was with us. We can't see that in the time. It's so much hurt. It's so much pain. The depression wrapped me. I was in a cloud of darkness. And I couldn't see it. But when I went back and sat with them from a healed heart, I wrote with them. And when I was writing with them, he said, see, I was there in that moment. I was there when you thought I wasn't. And I urge people when I talk to them, go back and write your book. Go back and write your history. Sit down. Journal through it. Because we cannot possibly see all the times that God is with us. But when I was sitting down with him, writing this book, he showed me instances I couldn't recall. I didn't remember how that happened in my life. I didn't remember that situation. But when I sat down with him, he showed me because it was important. It was intimate. The union with him is so intimate, so personal, and can be damaged from alternative motives that Satan has. And that's how I'll end today's message. And it's what John Eldridge also said, continually invite God, continually invite Jesus, can continually invite the Holy Spirit into our lives every morning, every afternoon, every evening, and every night. We are desperate beings for him. We are designed for him. And when we do that, we can be that light to the world that so desperately needs it. Thank you so much for allowing me to speak today. Thank you. And I'm not sure how else to close it.
Okay. It's a perfect way to close it. <laughs> Heavenly Father, you are so good. You are so, so good to us. We thank you for our time with you. We thank you for your presence in our lives. We thank you for not leaving nor forsaking us. Jesus, thank you so much for walking with us, for sacrificing your life so that we can know true love. We know love because it was you. You are our first love. Thank you. Lord, as we walk through this week, we ask that you walk with us, that we walk with you. Lord, I pray over this congregation that you protect everyone in this room, that you give us the strength, the courage, the grace, the mercy to be your light in this world. Lord, those barriers that prevent us from being in union with you. Break them down. Let us feel your peace this week. Let us be in your love. And let us be in union with you as we go about our days. Amen.